Hello and welcome to the Dive Deep, Climb High podcast. I'm Mel Luizu and together with my guests, we explore all different aspects of leadership in higher education. With inspiring stories, practical tips and a little bit of fishiness, this show will help you dive deep into the leader you are and climb high, unleashing your power and potential. Dive deep, climb high, can-do leadership in a world of can't. Hello and welcome back if you're a regular listener to the show. A very warm welcome if you're a first-time listener. This podcast has been created to help leaders in higher education. My aim is to create a community of listeners who can learn and grow together. To do this, I need your help. The more people that download, subscribe, rate and review this show, the more the podcast algorithms will ensure it pops up across the globe. I love the community we have created so far and together with your help, we can encourage even more people to join us. My guest today is a consultant, coach and speaker. She was originally a solicitor and then went on to spend years in the HR profession, working across different sectors, retail, travel, and local authority. She launched her own business, Odonata, in 2017. And in 2018, she was awarded Life Coach of the Year at the Coaching Academy's International Coaching Awards Ceremony. So I'm in the presence of greatness today. She is a wonderfully engaging speaker. And her topic is burn bright, not out. I can't wait to dive in to this conversation. So please welcome Donna Smith. Hi, Donna. Hello there. Wow, that's an intro. You made me go all tingly. Wow. (laughs) Well, you are a superhuman being and to have won a coaching award as coach of the year. That's pretty amazing. It, uh, yeah, it still ranks up there as one of my most amazing experiences. It was wonderful. Yeah. So an eclectic career that's been on a bit of a journey and you do still describe yourself on that journey and we'll go into that a little bit more but for people that that don't know you perhaps you can just share a a potty history of your career to date and how you've ended up speaking about burning bright not out absolutely thank you And, and thank you for inviting me to be on on the show today it's absolutely wonderful to be here so my potted history um I decided at the age of 10 I wanted to be a lawyer And so that's what I did. I went through school, college, university. I had the blinkers on and eventually I qualified as a lawyer. And uh, to say on the day that I qualified, I was less than happy as an understatement. I remember sitting in my office thinking, what have I done? This is not for me. But I'd spent all those years, all those hours of studying, all of those exams Getting to this point, like, I, well, I've, I've chosen my career. This is it. And uh, I lasted five years. So I practiced as a lawyer for five years before coming full circle back to what I knew on the day one of qualifying that it wasn't for me. And I'll explain more why as we get into the podcast. So then 
I was like, well, what can I do now? Law is all I've ever known. And I thought, well, what were the bits about law that I really enjoyed doing and what other careers can help me do that? So I decided to move into HR because law is about the people. HR is about the people. So I began again and started at the bottom and I worked my way up. I requalified. So I became dual qualified law and HR. Got to quite a senior role, senior HR business partner. And I still wasn't happy. Much of the shock and frustration of my family and friends, I've got to say. <laughs> I was like, you know, this is not it. I'm not getting out of bed in the morning with a woohoo. I love what I do. I was getting out of bed in the morning with a, yeah, same old, same old. So I took another change of direction. And instead of being a generalist HR professional, I went more specialist and I started to pursue a career in learning and development. And that's where I really started to get those first signs of I'm on something here. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. I'm helping others with their development. I'm helping them with their growth. We're on something. And it was while I was working as a learning and development consultant that I was given the responsibility for delivering coaching skills for frontline managers. Brilliant course, two-day course, frontline managers. And I loved it. And I'd had experience of coaching previously, but more informally than anything, you know, anything of a formal structure. And here I am standing at the front of a training room with 20 to 30 frontline managers, training them on how to bring coaching skills into their toolkit as managers. And I thought, I feel a bit of a fraud here. So I'm not a coach. I'm not any formal training. I'm just good at delivering training. And because one of my values is credibility, I was like, well, I need to go and qualify as a coach. So I actually feel that if anybody said to me, so how do you coach then? I had something to say. So I started to do a qualification in coaching. And at the time, my husband and I, we just had a baby, young daughter. And with the consultant role, I was traveling the length and breadth of the country three days a week. I wasn't at home. And that reality, alongside the realization as I was training to be a coach, that I could do this for myself as my own business and fit it around my family life, was the moment where I was like, finally, I know what I'm supposed to be doing because coaching is amazing. I loved it. And I could qualify as a coach and set up my own business. So then the blinkers went back on, get the qualification, map out the business, set a timeline in place. And 2017, I went go live. So November 2017, 1st of November, so I'm nearly five years old. Um, I went live with my business. And since then, I can honestly say, I get up every morning with a woohoo. I love what I do. So that's me from lawyer to HR to specialist to coach. Fantastic. What a journey. And you say, don't you, that you are still on that journey because you are somebody that has burnt out. As you said, each time you came to th those crossroads, you've had difficult choices. And I can only imagine how difficult that must have been, especially stepping away from being a solicitor and then, you know, qualifying in HR and, and doing that again. Because there will be people out there, well, why do you want to do that? I can just imagine my parents actually in my ears going, why would you do that? Why would you turn away that, that safety and security? But you also say that you're somebody that struggles with perfectionism and not being good enough. 
So I'm really interested. How did that play out in the roles that you've had and how does that impact what you're doing now? Oh, gosh. So... So in a nutshell, and, and then it's amazing what you get with hindsight, isn't it? But with hindsight, I realised I was struggling with burnout as a lawyer all those years ago. But we're going back quite a few years now. And, and whilst burnout probably was a thing, it wasn't talked about in as much as it is today. Well-being definitely wasn't on the agenda in the legal profession back when I was practising law. You know, well-being was something you did in your own time, outside of working hours. Coaching and mentoring wasn't a thing back then. So all of the support mechanisms we have in place today, I wasn't aware of back then. And as I look back to how I was feeling, what I was thinking, what I was struggling with, you know, overwhelm, imposter syndrome, exhaustion, stress, anxiety, all of the different elements of being burnt out, but I, I just had nowhere to go. And so I did what I thought was the best thing to do. I changed careers because in my mind, it was like, I'm clearly not suited for this. It didn't occur to me that I was struggling with burnout. I just thought I wasn't cut out to be a lawyer. So I moved into HR. And the overwhelm and the stress and the anxiety and the exhaustion followed me, irritatingly so. And so I got to a point in my HR career, I was like, this is, this is not working for me. I'm exhausted, I'm stressed all the time. There's got to be a different way. And so I, I say I dodged burnout. I dodged it catching up with me 100% by moving careers. And then eventually, ironically, in 2017, the same year I launched my business, and it's amazing what the catalyst can do for you. So several months before launching my business, I suffered a major burnout where that feeling of overwhelm, the sense of exhaustion, levels of stress and anxiety literally landed on me physically and stopped me in my tracks. And so as I look back now, I think I wonder if I'd have dealt with it back then, back when I was a practicing lawyer, would it have been as severe? Don't know. Would I have left law? I don't know. But I do believe in silver linings and I'm grateful that I left the legal profession I'm now grateful for my burnout, which is a very odd thing to say because it was awful at the time. But everything brings us to where we are today, doesn't it? Yeah. How interesting. And it is interesting, isn't it? That that whole phenomenon that our body and that for me and when we'll go into what you what you think burnout is, what it is for your clients. But but for me, burnout is that physical sensation. It's your body and you get it loads of signals before. But we are great. At ignoring them and and it you know from what you're saying it sounds like you ignored it and then you got back on and then it came a knocking again you ignored it again and eventually it knocked you off your feet and made you literally pay attention so I mean you've given some idea of what burnout is if if you were to define burnout or the burnout that you see with your clients that you have now what are the symptoms yeah, so so th there's some classic symptoms, and you you know you read about these, you hear about these a lot. So so one of the first classic symptoms is overwhelm, when you just feel like everything is out of your control and you're barely keeping your head above water. So overwhelm is a classic symptom. Emotional exhaustion is another one, 
where it's not just physical tired, it's emotional tiredness. It's like you feel like your emotions have been put through a ringer and you're like, you don't know how you feel anymore. It's almost you're that emotionally exhausted, you're feeling numb. Yeah, it's just everything switched off. And the other classic symptom is where it just feels like it's impossible to keep up with the constant demands that come your way. You know, things that normally you would take in your stride and wouldn't even phase you feel like massive mountains to climb. So they're the three, the three classic symptoms. Some more subtle ones to keep an eye out for. And this is from my own personal experience. Again, looking back, it's like, oh, my gosh, it was so clear what direction I was heading in. And the first one is, what do you find yourself or catch yourself saying to yourself? So my burnout happened in the June. And as far back as the Christmas, the previous Christmas, I'd been saying to my husband over the Christmas period, something's got to give. I can't keep functioning like this. Something's got to give. And I said that to him at Christmas. We went away at Easter. And I remember saying it to him again. Something's going to have to give. Something's got to give here because I can't keep going. And as I look back, it's like, my gosh, there were six months where I was saying something's got to give, but I didn't make any changes. And the other subtle sign is watch for what triggers you because it'll be the simplest of things that, again, on an ordinary day when you're not burnt out, wouldn't phase you at all, probably just roll off you like Teflon. But it's the things that trigger you. So a classic one for me was, bless her, my mom. She's got this saying where she'll say, don't work too hard, babe. And it's a term, you know, don't, basically she's saying, take care of yourself. But as I was coming up to my major burnout, every time she said it to me, it was like a red rag to a bullet. Like, do you think I'm not trying not to work hard? I'm doing my best here and all I have to do. It. And so your responses to triggers are just extreme. So you've got the classic symptoms and the more subtle ones where when you take the time to pause and go, that's not my normal behaviour. They're the signs to look for. Mm. And so your clients, do they come to you typically when they've reached that stage? Or are people, would you say in the work that you've been doing and over time, that people are becoming more aware and taking preemptive action almost? I'd like to say yes, but not yet. So the majority of my clients that come to do the Burn Bright program with me are in the depths of burnout. They are overwhelmed. They are emotionally exhausted. They just they just can't keep on top of everything that's coming their way. And they're lost. They've got no clarity, no sense of direction, and they feel completely stuck. Sometimes I will have conversations with people who will be alert to burnout, will be aware that they're showing some signs of it, but unfortunately they're still not taking it seriously enough. It is so hard. It's like, oh my gosh, if you would just take some preventative action now, you could head off something a lot more serious. But it's like, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you cannot make them drink. Yeah, and I think that we are all... We all think we're superhuman, don't we? We all think that we should keep going. And I think, you know, there's there's so many demands on us in our lives and work, family, societal, environmental, all of those pressures. And we just got to keep going. We'll be all right. We'll we'll get to the end of it. And I love that something's got to give because I know at times of real stress, 
That's exactly the phrase that I use. Yeah. So we know, you know, our, our mind and our body knows something going to break. So it starts telling us in all sorts of different ways. I mean, in the run up to my, my major burnout, as I call it, I had every cough cold going. I lost interest in the things I absolutely love to do. I had no energy, even though I was sleeping. You know, I was like napping every minute I could because I was so tired, but I had no energy. You know, all of these little signs, but I just need a holiday. I just need the weekend. I just need to wait till that project's finished. And of course, as we all know, there's always something else. So if we're always waiting for something to finish before we put ourselves first, we will never put ourselves first. Yeah. So that's the symptoms of burnout. So how, if we want to choose not to burn out, but burn bright, what do we need to do? Oh, quite simply, take it seriously. I don't know how else to say that, but you take it seriously. You know, we all know about burnout. You know, the result of the last couple of years, it's everywhere you read now, to the point that I think almost it could, it's almost become a bit desensitized. Like, yeah, people are burnt out. We know. It's like, yeah, but still take it seriously. Because if it's left unchecked, it will stop you in your tracks physically. And I don't know about you, Mel, but how many of us have the the time and the freedom to take a couple of months off work at the drop of a hat unexpectedly to recover from burnout. None of us do. Our diaries are full. Our commitments are, you know, numerous. But that's what happens with burnout. If you don't take it seriously, it will drop you in a shot. And that's what happened to me. I saw the signs. I was aware of burnout. But I'll be honest with you, before it got me fully, I really did think it just meant you were tired and you needed a break. I literally thought that's what burnout was. You just need a break. You'll be all right. Yeah. So how did you recover from your burnout? It took me three months. I was out of work for three months, which wasn't planned, as I say. And, I, you know, how many of us have that, that luxury? Yeah, just take three months off. Nothing will break. So let me backtrack. So my burnout manifested itself physically through the loss of being able to walk. Wow. I literally went into work one day. It was a Monday. I'm sure many of your, your listeners can relate to this. It was a back-to-back day. You know, meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting. You know, there was just no time. And I remember getting to lunchtime and I was like, well, I'm not feeling too good. I'm a bit tired. I feel a bit, feel a bit woozy. I clearly need a rest. I'm going to do the sensible thing, clear my afternoon, and I'm going to go home and get some sleep. And I rang my husband and said, can you come and get me? Because I don't feel like I should be behind the steering wheel. I'm feeling a bit bit off. No bother. And the building that I worked in was several stories, and we were on the fourth floor. And my colleague said, I'll come in the lift with you and wait in reception till your husband comes. It's lovely. Thank you. And honestly, Mel, I remember getting into the lift walking in and leaning against the wall of the lift thinking, man, I'm so tired. I could literally sleep where I was standing. The lift reaches the ground floor and the doors open and I go to walk out. The next thing I know, I'm in a wheelchair in the first aid recovery room. And I'm literally like, what? How have I got here? And my colleague said, I have no idea what happened, but you literally walked out the lift and hit the floor out. 
I was like, okay, <laughs> clearly not well, clearly need a rest. Let's get me home. So my husband comes in, wheels me out to the car at the front of the building, mortifying, going through reception, being pushed through. It was like, oh, you know, the things you worry about. And he parks me at the side of the car and I'm sitting there in this wheelchair and I'm looking at the car and I'm, I'm in this wheelchair and I'm looking up at my husband. And he said, what are you waiting for? Why aren't you getting in the car? And I'm looking at my legs and looking up at my husband saying, my legs won't work. So I had three days in hospital where I had a literal medical MOT from head to toe, scans, lumbar punctures, you name it, they put me through it. And at the end of the three days, bearing in mind I'd had three days resting in bed, I still couldn't walk unaided. I had one of those Zimmer frame type things. I couldn't support my own body. My legs would not hold me. And the neurologist came to see me and she said, Donna, she's great news. All of your tests have come back negative. There's no growths, there's no infections, nothing. Medically, you are in tip-top condition. I'm like, it's good. But I still can't walk. What's going on? And she asked me to explain what life had been like for the last few months. So I was like, well, I'm training to be a coach. I'm setting up a business. I'm delivering training to 13 teens. I've got a four-year-old daughter. We've just moved house. Blah, 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 and listed all the things. And she just sat there and nodded and she says, I know exactly what's happened. You've burnt out. Now, at that point, Mel, that's when I was like, oh, burnout's serious. It's that serious. It's taken me off my feet. And it's that serious. It took me three months to get back on my feet. And during that time, apart from the obvious of resting, I did a lot of soul searching and a lot of research into so what is burnout what causes it how do we get over it and I, tr I tried all sorts of things you, you know all sorts of different therapies because what else was I going to do I was laid up in bed yeah and the things that I found worked for me was I needed to have a plan I was very much like okay I felt so out of control for so long I need to get back into control and to do that I needed a plan so, and this is what I do with my clients on the Burn Bright program. The Burn Bright program are the six key things that I kept returning to those three months that helped me get back on my feet. So have a plan. And the other thing, I mean, there's several, several things, but have a plan of what you're going to do. So you've got something to, to hold on to, to give you that sense of control. But also this idea of, Finding a way to say yes to you. There's a principle in the Burn Bright program that I call no is a complete sentence. And the point of that that I explain to my clients is a lot of people describe themselves as people pleasers. Okay. And so when you're coaching them on this idea of you need to start saying no to things, you've got you're spinning too many plates, you need to put some of those plates down, you need to start saying no. And my clients will go, I'm not very good at saying no. I'm here to serve. I'm here to make a difference. I'm here to people, please. Not very good at saying no. And I'll say to them, yes, but there's one person you are exceptionally good at saying no to. And it's yourself. Your body's telling you it's tired. It needs a rest. No, I've just got to finish this report. Your body's getting every bug, cough, cold going. You need a rest. 
no, I'm going to work until 11 o'clock every night to get these reports finished. Your mind is saying something's going to give. If something doesn't change, something's going to give. No, I'll just keep going till the holiday in August. And so by saying yes to yourself and prioritizing yourself more, it's about teaching ourselves that habit that unless we put ourselves first, nothing else matters, Mel. Nothing. If our health isn't in good shape, we can't be there for our loved ones. We can't show up for our clients, our colleagues. We can't make the difference we want to make in the world. It starts with us. So have a plan, but learn how to say yes to you. I love that. Say yes to us. So for you, what was the most difficult no that you had to say? Mm, the most difficult no. So it's both a, a personal and a business one. Anything that triggers in me that guilt trigger where I feel guilty about not doing something, that's the hardest thing to say no to. So, so for example, say family members want us to get together on a Friday evening because we've not seen each other for ages and I've had a full week and I want to say no because I know I need a night in with my own capsule family. And it's like, oh, it's so hard to say no because of the guilt I know I'll feel by saying no. Or if a client reaches out and says, can we rearrange the coaching session from that day to that day? And the day they want to move it to is a day that I've blocked out for me to concentrate on my own development and, and growth. It's like, I want to say no to that, but the guilt. So I find the hardest no for me is when it's attached to potential feelings of guilt as a result. It's a tricky one. It is a tricky one. That guilt gets us every time, doesn't it? But the, the irony is, and here's the thing that I, I do talk to my clients a lot about. If we were actually to explain to the family members, actually, I'd love to see you on Friday, but I've had a flat out busy week and my body is telling me I need to rest. So I'm going to pass for now. Can we arrange to meet next week? The family members are going to be like, of course, it's absolutely fine. Not a problem at all. No guilt required. Same with the clients. I'd love to move it that day, but I've blocked that day out for my own growth and development so I can continue to be the best coach I can be for you. How about we do the following Tuesday? Of course, no problem at all. So it's what we tell ourselves that actually triggers the guilt rather than the other people giving us the guilt, if that makes sense. It totally makes sense. And we just need to try it, don't we? It's like a, a muscle that we haven't used before. If we start using it, then it becomes a little bit easier and a little bit more malleable. And then, and, and then we find we don't have to put as much effort into it. It does take practice, but it is doable. You know, I, I describe myself as a recovering people pleaser. You know, I still do it from time to time, but I've got I've got better at putting those boundaries in place. Fantastic. So the Burn Bright program, is that something that you offer through coaching or, you know, do you do it with teams? How, how do you spread the word? Yeah, so so the Burn Bright program, it, it comes in a number of different shapes and sizes. One thing I have learned over the five years of being in business is that it isn't a one-size-fits-all. So currently, in its current version, because it, it got updated last year, 
there is an online version of the Burn Bright program for those clients of mine who actually they want to do it at their own pace, in their own time. They're quite happy to hold themselves accountable and they just want that sort of do-it-yourself package. So it's, it's available as an online program. I've then got a group of clients who they know if left to their own devices, the Burn Bright program will be another one of those things they signed up to because it, it sounded like a good thing to do but it would just get left to one side and with nobody holding them accountable, they'll just get caught up in the busyness of life again. And they'll look at it 18 months later and go, what was that program I said I was going to do? So there's a package available where they can do the online course, but they have weekly sessions with me and like a group Q and a sessions where they can come along and go, I'm on this module. We were talking about this. I'm stuck on this bit. Or when you were talking about that technique, maybe, maybe it's a meditation technique or a journaling technique or whatever it is, I'm getting stuck here. So it's a chance for them to come together and share the things that are getting in the way of them, burning bright and not out. And then, as is always the case, is that group of clients who they are 100% firmly committed to stepping as far away from burnout as possible. And they want to do it over a longer period of time. So that's the elite program where they can work with me for 12 months. They get the online, they get the group coaching and masterminding and they get one-to-one coaching with me. So for them, it's like, I want a year-long plan. I am literally going to break down each one of those bad habits that got me to burn out and build in the new habits that's going to get me to burn bright. So there's shapes and sizes for all people. I do run it with teams as well. It's one of those, when I first created it, Mel, I created it with a view to it being an open group program because that was from my background. You know, as a, a learning and development consultant, that's how I knew how to train. And then I realized that burnout's quite personal. And often the the hardest step to overcoming burnout is admitting you've got burnout. And so I switched from a group program to an individual one-to-one. And then when I did that, then people saying, well, can't you do it as teams? So it's sort of like gone group, individual, group, online. Hence why I offer it in all the different packages. Fantastic. So if people are listening to this, and they're on some scale of that burnout, what is the one tip that you would give them? You know, the one tip that would perhaps help them in wherever they are on that scale, what would it be? Five minutes. Five minutes a day, just for them. And that can be anything. That can be sitting quietly meditating. That can be going for a walk. That can be coloring it can be whatever but just five minutes a day doing something that's just for them we are not in the habit of putting ourselves first so oftentimes when clients come to work with me this whole idea of saying no putting themselves first prioritizing their health it feels like too big of a leap it's too far away from where they currently are so I talk a lot about baby steps So the one tip I would give to your audience today is take the baby step of committing to five minutes a day just for you. Do something that nourishes you, that restores you, that lifts you up. And they're probably sitting there or walking along listening to this going, five minutes a day? Is that really going to make any difference? Yeah, it does. Might not immediately in the moment, but if you do that consistently over time, back to that muscle analogy, You are training that muscle that goes every day, 
I do something that's just for me. Huh. Well, if I can do something that's just for me five minutes a day, what else can I do to help prioritise my health and well-being? So five minutes, that's my top tip. Love it. Simple. I won't say easy, because for some people it definitely won't be. But sometimes I've had to start with one minute a day and build up. Yeah, one to five. Fantastic. Shifting tax just a little bit for a moment. We're coming out of burning bright. When have you had to dive deep and what impact did that have? Oh, gosh. So in all honesty, when when I think about this, I could pick any one of the times when I came to the career crossroads. They were all very deep dives. But I think the one that really, really resonates with me is the one that changed everything was when I, I, I decided to set up my own business. Because, you know, the burnout was in June 2017. And I launched my business on the 1st of November 2017. So I'd literally just got back on my feet. So you can imagine all of the internal dialogue of, have I got what it takes? Have I got enough energy? Will I make this work? Am I well enough to be going self-employed when I'm literally just recovering from burnout? Do I even know how to run a business? You know, I, I, I was a qualified coach by that point. And I was good at it, but did I know how to run a business? So that was a really big, deep dive for me. It's like, that's a massive shift. So, yeah, and I'm so grateful I did it. So grateful. And all your clients are no doubt grateful. And it just shows, doesn't it? 2017 to where we are now in 2022, nearly five years old. What an awesome achievement. Awesome. When have you felt like a fish that climbed a tree? Oh, <laughs> so... You probably won't be surprised to hear that this has something to do with speaking, given that we're both members of the Professional Speaking Association. So I currently feel like a fish climbing a tree by doing this. So my speaking career to date has been in a training room, delivering some form of training or coaching. I am really comfortable there. I know how to do that. But through being a member of the PSA and wanting to grow and develop as a speaker, I'm now taking my speaking career in the direction of being a guest on podcasts. I'm creating videos. I'm standing on stages and talking to bigger audiences. And yes, do I ever feel like a fish trying to climb a tree at the moment? But it's all part of the journey. It is. And, and I'm there with you on that tree and I suspect there are very many people on that tree as well <laughs> totally understand <laughs> uh, it's been so wonderful to talk to you and you've shared such a lot about your own profound journey how can people get in touch with you if they want to know more about your programs just want to connect with you how can they do that uh, the easiest way is probably to go on my website, which is odenartcoaching.com. You'll find all of the details of the Burn Bright program and the ways in which I run that. All of my contact details are on there. You can book a call with me on there. So I would I would direct anybody who wants to find out more about me to my website, odenartcoaching.com. Brilliant. Well, it just leaves me to say thank you so much. I know people can't see this because it's a podcast recording, but you are standing there burning bright. We're both burning bright in our pink jumpers, I have to say, looking lovely. And it's been wonderful to talk to you. What final words of wisdom 
would you like to leave people with today? So to recap, take burnout seriously. Take five minutes a day just for you. And remember, it's time to burn bright, not out. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Dive Deep, Climb High podcast with me, Mel Luizu. To help build our community of leadership listeners, please leave me an Apple podcast five-star review. Remember, our fishy adventure doesn't have to end here. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram and Twitter. Links are in the show notes. Dive deep, climb high, can-do leadership in a world of can't.